Hello and welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. I'm Jenna Layden, founder of Star Family Wisdom and a former global vice president for Whole Foods Market. Thank you so much for joining us today. Star Family Wisdom is a paradigm shifting podcast community and online school providing cutting edge research, guidance, and insights to help you with your human evolution. On this podcast, our co-host Sinead Wellahan and I share conversations between guests and ourselves that provide ideas and information to inspire you and support you on this wild journey of being human. We explore our untold human origin story, supernatural experiences, lost knowledge from the stars, and spiritual wisdom that empowers you to transform your life for the better. So don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and leave a comment. It's been so fun to hear from all of you and to engage with you. Let us know what you're loving and what you wanna hear more of. And in today's episode, I'm doing a solo talk about one of my recent favorite books, Star Shrines and Earthworks of the Desert Southwest by Gary A. David. And this book has significance for me because of my journey studying shamanism, becoming a shamanic practitioner, studying our ancient cultures, and finding connections between our ancient history and current events like the ET contact phenomena. And many of you may not know that I was guided to move to Sedona last year, very abruptly, I might add. And because I know now to follow signs and synchronicities and trust the will of spirit and trust the guidance that I received from my star family, I said yes, and I uprooted my life and I moved from Austin, Texas to Arizona where I knew no one. And it was not long after that move that I found this book. So here we go. In this book by Gary A. David, we learn about the significance of the Hopi cultural sites and their astronomically sophisticated ancient culture. In the opening pages of the book, Graham Hancock writes, as above, so below. The parallels Gary David has found between the ancient Egyptian sky-ground system involving pyramids of Giza and the constellation of Orion and a similar project to build heaven on earth by the Hopi of Arizona are eerie, compelling, and deeply thought-provoking. And in just a few short weeks, Sinead and I are actually leaving on a road trip to visit these significant sites and to explore this astronomical ground plan of our ancient ancestors. And we're so excited to bring this experience to you and to share about what we find around the energetic significance of these sites through this podcast. So we'll talk more about that later. But Gary begins his book by talking about his visit to the Hopi Pueblos in Arizona and his experience witnessing the sacred Kachina ceremonies. And he describes the Kachinas as spirits that the Hopi pray to for rain and fertility and to bring harmony to their people. He also recognizes these Kachinas as similar to angels and Christian religion acting as a kind of intermediary between the cosmic and earthly realms. And David describes 
the Kachina ceremonies as being vitally important to the Hopi culture. And you know, there's even a process of men donning masks and impersonating Kachinas, and in some cases, transforming to embody the spirit of that Kachina, which is not unlike channeling or other types of mediumship you know, that we're familiar with. And David notes that some of the masks that are worn, you know, in various ceremonies might even appear as like helmets that could have been worn by astronauts or ETs. So clearly his imagination is piqued at, you know, his witnessing these ceremonies. And he also describes his research into ancient Egyptian cosmology and the Orion constellation theory. And the Orion constellation theory suggests that the builders of the pyramids in ancient Egypt aligned the ground plan of the pyramids to the Orion constellation. And the pyramids perfectly mimic the pattern of Orion's belt in the sky. And as a side note, this has also been found at pyramid sites in the Americas and in Asia. And in fact, in a Egyptian culture, Osiris, the god Osiris, was commonly associated with Orion. And the word Sahu in Egyptian means star gods in the constellation Orion. David also notes that the Hopi word Sohu, similar to Sahu, means star. And the more ritually important constellation for the Hopi is Orion. David also notes similarities between other Egyptian and Hopi words like duat in Egyptian means underworld or afterlife realm. And the Hopi word tuat means vision or mystical experience, which is the kind of thing that leads us to an understanding of the afterlife realms. And David goes on to state that the Hopi constructed star shrines. So significant sites, that are laid out in a ground plan that represents a seven chakra system that is aligned with the stars of the Orion constellation. And it has also been noted that the Egyptian pyramid and temple complex not only is aligned to the Orion system, but also follows a seven chakra pattern, which apparently is meant to you know, allow initiates or people who visit these sites in sequential order to heal and maybe energetically charge or expand their energy systems at these various sites. And most people are familiar with chakras at this point, but for those who are less familiar, we all have seven primary chakras that are aligned with our spinal column. And these chakras are energy centers or spinning vortices of energy. And the chakras connect to our endocrine glands and the various organs in our bodies. And they hold energetic information about our lives, our soul, our past, our future, and they receive life force energy. So they are designed to bring energy into our body and to expel heavy energy. And it's my understanding that our ancient cultures on earth were very familiar with the chakra systems and how our chakras or our energetic health relates to our mental and physical health. So it appears as though our ancient ancestors understood a correlation between the stars, earth, and our physical and energetic bodies. David also notes that the Egyptian complex is laid out from southeast to northwest. 
while the Hopi complex of sites is laid out from southwest to northeast. So the parallels here are too significant and are starting to tell me that our indigenous brothers and sisters are absolutely descendants from a previous sophisticated culture and that they're the survivors of the last world and that their knowledge maybe came from the same knowledge that the Egyptians drew theirs from. It also appears that key solstice points were incorporated into the relative positioning of these star shrines. We even see this in Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, which Sinead and I will also be visiting soon. The petroglyphs that have been found throughout that site perfectly align with the movement of the sun at the equinox and solstice, and the ray of sunlight that passes over these petroglyphs just perfectly um, aligns with the solstice and equinox. And so if that wasn't remarkable enough, they also appear to align these petroglyphs to track the long moon cycle. I didn't even know about the long moon cycle until recently, but you know, we're, most of us are familiar with the monthly moon cycle, the new moon, the full moon cycle, but there is an 18.5 year long moon cycle. And this is how the moon tracks in the sky. So it's going to move its position in the sky over the course of 18.5 years. And the people who built Chaco Canyon tracked the minimum and maximum extremes of the moon cycle using these spiral petroglyphs. And one of the spirals at Chaco Canyon has nine and three quarters lines which helped track the nine and three quarter years it would take for one half of the long moon cycle to occur. So it is just incredible how so many of our ancient sites around the world have similar astronomical anomalies. And it appears that the people who built these sites understood and reflected the solar and moon cycles with great precision in their building and in their settlements. So clearly, you know, following the rhythms of nature was highly important to these ancient people, to our ancestors. And as a side note, I recently watched a documentary about Chaco Canyon and a Zuni archeologist says that legend has it that people of power lived in the circular house at Chaco Canyon. He says that they were magical people who had power over the animals and plants. And Sinead and I will be visiting Chaco Canyon at the end of the month, along with all of the other star shrines so that we can see these incredible sites for ourselves. And, you know, it's our suspicion that these sites were, you know, not only the settlements of our ancestors, but also perhaps where we had interaction with star beings and star ancestors. As we talked about in our previous Star Answer Ancestors episode, check that out. So we can't wait to bring this to you on the podcast and to share about our visit at these sites and, and what we experience and, and what we can remember and learn from these sites around the world. So back to David's analysis, he posits that the Arizona Orion chakra system provides a conduit of pranic earth energy following 
southwest from Mesa Verde, which is up in Colorado, all the way to Sedona. So the chakra system that the Hopi have laid out goes from Mesa Verde all the way down to Sedona, with Sedona being the crown chakra. And I just find it so interesting, again, that I found David's research as soon as I moved to Sedona. So while I was already familiar with the Hopi origin stories and um, I was already familiar with some of the cultural significance of this land and the spiritual significance of this land, this research has taken my understanding to a whole new level, which is why I'm just so excited to share this with you today. And I love how David continues to draw parallels between Egyptian culture and Hopi culture. And he points out that the Egyptian god of the underworld, Osiris, sounds very similar to the Hopi god, Masao, the nocturnal god of the underworld of death and fire and the earth plane. And as we continue to uncover these cultural similarities, it reminds me of another documentary I watched not long ago that sheds light on various ruins and artifacts that have been found in the Grand Canyon. Apparently, there have been cave systems that are not easily accessible, accessible that contain Egyptian artifacts. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. And if that's true, that completely changes our modern version of world history, and it continues to corroborate the correlations between cultures around the world that tells us that the traditional migration story we have been told is not completely accurate. We also know from Hopi legend and origin stories that they emerged from the Grand Canyon after the end of the last world. They state this very literally. As we discussed related to Paul Wallace's work in episode 11, the evidence just starts to add up that we have not gotten our history correct. And David also notes how the Hopi have continued to make pilgrimages to the Grand Canyon area. And I'm summarizing here, but they believe that there is a tunnel through which souls may return to the heavens. And David notes that their experience of ascending through a reed in the sky to escape the previous world, which is how they describe it, and emerge out of the Grand Canyon into our current world, sounds eerily similar to a wormhole or a stargate even. And in David's book, he lays out quite a bit of you know research on this. And as another side note, check out episode 16 with Amanda Romania, where we talked about Egyptian Stargate technology and a mystical experience that I had in a meditation where I appeared to have experienced the Stargate technology. So again, the evidence is stacking up about some of the potential ancient technology that may have existed. And for any skeptics out there, we do have a lot of advanced physics theories that are getting much closer to explaining how the spin of energy can create hyperspatial gates or wormholes, allowing energy to enter the third spatial dimension from higher dimensions. And we have plenty of evidence now to prove that this is happening, especially as we experience more and more ET contact on planet Earth. That's one of the ways in which it would be happening, right? So David also refers to the Grand Canyon cave system in his book. So similar to the documentary I saw, he goes on to note the discoveries about this. And he notes that 
One of the most exciting discoveries has been found in an area known as Kincaid's Cave. And on April 5th, 1909, the Arizona Gazette published an article called Explorations in Grand Canyon. And the main character of the story is G.E. Kincaid, an explorer who apparently found a grand underground citadel. And apparently Kincaid took over 700 pictures all of which have been lost or hidden from view. Go figure. Um, but Kincaid gets to this cave system about 1,400 feet down a sheer cliff. And at the entrance to the cave were steps that were about 30 yards long carved into solid rock, which led down to the river. This is the account in the newspaper article. And the main entrance and passageway was about 12 feet wide and at about 57 feet inside the cave there were two main passageways that split to the left and the right and from there he found smaller passageways and rooms off of these tunnels some of which were the ordinary um, kind of size of living rooms today <clears throat> and the article estimates and this you know maybe is kind of sensationalized because some of the articles back then did this but it estimates that maybe 50,000 people could have fit in this cave system. And it also documents that Kincaid discovered out of place artifacts, which is what archeologists call things that would counter the version of history we've been told and things that we like to not look at. <laughs> he found enameled pottery, stone tablets with hieroglyphs, water vessels, and stones that had been engraved with the appearance of a Malaysian head, and explorers also found a Buddha-like statue sitting cross-legged in one of the rooms. So here we have all of these artifacts that are completely out of place here in North America where they should not have been at the time. And while there appears to have been some Asian type figures found, the hieroglyphs and the artwork and some of the other artifacts appear to be Egyptian in nature. So here we have a blend of cultures, cultural artifacts being found in this cave system in the Grand Canyon. And Kincaid goes on to find a place that he calls the crypt where he found mummies, right? And we don't have many cases of mummification in North America. David notes that his publisher, David Childress, thinks that this cave system was possibly like the rock tombs found at the Valley of the Kings in Egypt. And it's also worth noting that at the time, the newspaper did acknowledge the high sophistication of the culture that lived here, but it wrote off the Indian people of the area as maybe just being descendants of slaves of the people who inhabited the cave. So here we have our racist and patriarchal worldviews of the time obscuring our ability to see the truth of our history. Clearly the Hopi and many other indigenous and Indian people are descendants of a highly sophisticated, spiritually advanced previous race of humans. Their knowledge and wisdom transcends the materialistic and power-hungry culture of our current times. And after all of my research, it is clear to me that we would be wise to listen to what they have to say and to take their 
origin stories and cultural narratives as not just a mythology and fantasy, but a very real contribution to our human history and and perhaps something that can help us shift and evolve our worldview in a way that heals a lot of the damage that has been done on this planet. Shamanic practice is a beautiful way to reconnect with yourself, Mother Earth, and the spirit of our universe. We live in a conscious, intelligent, and benevolent universe. And the universe wants to support our journey and life experiences, but we have to learn how to communicate with it. When I found shamanic practice, it was a journey of healing, remembering my true nature, and reconnecting with our ancient ways. It allowed me to connect to a lineage of energy beings, guides, angels, and guardians who act as a support system as I move through life. I'm Jenna Layden, founder of Star Family Wisdom, and I've trained with the Four Winds Society and have been initiated by a lineage of Peruvian shamans. I'm a certified Rites of the Moon Aiki Shamanic Initiation Practitioner and would love to invite you to our next Shamanic Initiation. The Rites of the Moon Aiki Shamanic Initiation is a 10-week program that allows you to receive 10 energetic transmissions along with learning about shamanic practice and tools to help you upgrade and transform your luminous energy field and to help you connect with luminous beings who can support your transformation. Receiving the rites of the Munaiki helps you walk with protection and helps you step into your power as a healer and a human. You don't have to be a practicing shaman or healer to participate. All levels are welcome, but do be ready for powerful energetic shifts once you say yes to the shamanic path. In shamanic practice, we say that in moments like this, spirit is calling, and all we have to do is answer the call. You can follow the links in our show notes to join the Shamanic Initiation waitlist, and we'll email you when it's time to sign up and learn more. And another side note um, from the stories in the Arizona newspaper is that people also speculated that the hieroglyphs appeared to be Mayan instead of Egyptian. However, I think it's interesting to reflect on how we have lots of new comparative research that is bringing to light many similarities between Mayan, Hopi, Egyptian, and Indian cultures. And it's appearing to me that all of our ancient world cultures stemmed from one previous culture. So we're not so separate as we have thought, right? We actually all came from one previous culture that was much more sophisticated than we are today. <laughs> now, for anyone who's getting their adventurer hat on right now, know that this cave system is apparently located on government land, so we can't just go explore and spelunk and go find all the artifacts, so it would be very difficult to access today. So. Our chances of seeing this for ourselves are very low. I got excited as I started learning about this. I wanna go see it, but um, we can at least piece together our historical accounts to get a better understanding of our true history and perhaps more will be revealed in time. 
And David continues his analysis of the Hopi chakra system. And he notes that the Hopi sites are almost like mounds. So while pyramid technology may not have been possible at the time the Hopi settled in the Arizona area, after they were coming out of the previous world, being saved from the previous world, they clearly were attempting to mimic the structures that they may have known in their previous world, like the pyramids. So while their sites weren't, weren't as magnificent as what we find in Mexico or Egypt, they served a similar purpose of bringing the astronomer priests closer to the cosmic realm and perhaps aligning with the stars of our origins. And continuing his cultural comparisons, David notes a similarity between the word tuat in Hopi, which symbolizes the mystical vision uh, with the name of mythical Celtic gods, the Tuatha de Danann, a race of shining ones who arrived in Ireland long ago. And Coincidentally, the Egyptian word aku also means shining ones or light beings. So similar to Paul Wallace's research, David begins to wonder if these cultures were referring to a race of demigods who once visited this earth from the stars. And I love how David refers to the cultural story of the Hopi of being saved by ant people from their origin stories. They say they escaped the previous world and entered our current world and went underground for a period of time, Grand Canyon Cave maybe, <laughs> and lived with the ant people. <clears throat> this is what they state in their origin stories. And David does a great job of noting word similarities that corroborate this story. And just a few examples, he notes that in the Bible, the Nephilim word means giants in the earth. He notes that ancient Hebrews, Arabians, and Syrians referred to Orion as the giant. The Sumerian term Nephilim means those who came to earth from heaven. The Aramaic word for Nephilia is the name for Orion. The Hebrew word Nemalim means ants, the Hopi word Anu means ant, and Naki means friend, and note that the Sumerians referred to the Ani, Anu, or the Anunnaki visitors as winged gods from the sky. So we've got a lot of similarities in even how our language has formed around the world and how we can trace back maybe the common origin of these words and start to, to create these connections that again, tell a very different version of our human history. And, you know, as I digest all of this and integrate it, you know, I think it's also noteworthy to just reflect on the fact that our, our Hopi brothers and sisters have sought to protect and honor and practice their ancient ancestral ways throughout our modern history. And it appears to me that they have true memory of a previous way of life, of a previous era from which we can learn from rather than repeat. And 
as Sinead and I have reconnected with the ancient wisdom that's available to us, and as we have begun to understand the cultural significance of the land in which I'm living, it's become highly important to us that we also honor and practice our ancestral ways of living. You know, we, we recognize the spiritual and cultural significance of Arizona and, and its significance as a place of our emergence, as a place where we began the current fourth world and a place where we might enter the fifth world one day. And because of that, <clears throat> we have set the intention to visit all seven chakra sites from Mesa Verde to Sedona to honor the land and to honor our history and to honor the stars from which we were born. And as we move through the chakra system, we'll intentionally connect with the Orion constellation and, and allow ourselves to become bridges between Earth and the cosmos, which is already our intention in many ways. So while we're on the topic of the sites and where they're located, I want to take you on a short tour of where they're located so that you can get a better understanding of this geography, this location in the U.S., especially if you're not in the U.S. or if you've never visited Arizona. Uh, this will help you just orient yourself to what we're talking about here. So I'll use my, my mouse here that you can, you can see and down here, we've got uh, Sedona and the Tutsi Gut National Monument. And the Tutsi Gut National Monument is apparently the seventh chakra in this chakra system. And you can see the red points are the places that I've noted that are the chakra locations. So all the way up here at Mesa Verde, we start at the first chakra. And then this system runs again southwest down through Sedona. So when Sinead and I go on our road trip to visit the sites, we'll be going from Sedona all the way up to the Mesa Verde area first, and we'll be starting there. So we'll start at the first chakra, the root chakra, and from Mesa Verde, we'll then travel down into New Mexico and come over to the Chaco Canyon historical site. And this is a really important site for many reasons. Um, we just touched on a couple of those and we'll be following this up with some more discussion on Chaco Canyon and what we can learn about ourselves from the site and what we can learn about our ancestors and the way in which they lived life and why they might have built such a significant structure and community in a relatively barren part of New Mexico. So we'll be spending some time at Chaco Canyon and then we'll be coming over here. I do not have it on the calendar here, but just up in this area near uh, in the Navajo Nation actually is Canyon de Chez. And that aligns uh, fairly closely with burnt corn, which uh, would be kind of our second chakra area. And 
Coincidentally enough, um, while we had been planning the idea of visiting these chakra sites and traveling through some of the you know culturally significant areas of New Mexico and Arizona, Sinead, in one of her meditations, got guidance and a download about going to Canyon de Chez. So we're going to Canyon de Chez because she was told she needs to go to Canyon de Chez. And um, it is apparently very beautiful. You know, most people are familiar with the Grand Canyon, which is just monumentally gorgeous and uh, just a huge structure, right, to, to take in a huge natural um, wonder of the world. And Canyon de Chez is kind of a smaller version of that. There's like lots of smaller versions of the Grand Canyon in Arizona. So we'll be going over to Canyon de Chez and then over to Burnt Corn, down into Second Mesa, down into Grand Falls, to Walnut Canyon, and then back down into Sedona. And at each of these sites, like we've talked about, we'll be spending time doing ceremony and really connecting with the energy of the earth and uh, how our uh, Hopi brothers and sisters um, understood this flow of energy through this area of Arizona. And then because we talked about the cave system and because we talked about So because we talked about the cave system and we talked about um, the fact that we all want to be adventurers and go find it, but that may not be possible, <laughs> I did my best to triangulate where it would be located. So um, in the Grand Canyon area, the through all of the historical accounts of where this cave system might have been located, it appears to be somewhere in here near the Little Colorado River confluence. So for anyone brave enough to go searching, good luck, be safe, I'm not going, but um, it appears to be kind of somewhere, somewhere in there. So that is the plan for our road trip and this gives you again just a general orientation of where um, these sites are located and i'll zoom out just so you can see again on a bigger scale where this is located in arizona and new mexico so again we're here in the four corners region of the united states where our indigenous brothers and sisters were guided to settle after they exited um, the, the cave systems, after they exited their safe haven underground at the end of the last world, as they entered into this world and began their migration, ultimately this was the place that they settled and were guided to settle. So it is a very culturally and spiritually significant area of the United States for those reasons. And um, something we're really passionate about continuing to explore and, and honor and, and connect with. And in June, we'll be sharing about this journey and this kind of spiritual pilgrimage in a podcast episode, and we'll be inviting you to join in and activate your chakras as we bring you this experience. At each of the sacred sites, we'll be doing a sound activation and ceremony, again, to honor the significance of these sites and to honor 
our history and our emergence into this world and to honor our connection with the stars, uh, which is, as you know, very important to us. And, and we'll be bringing you um, aspects of this experience that you can participate in as well. And because we're at a time of significant change and transformation on our planet, it's our belief that reconnecting with these ancient spiritual sites and the energy centers on our planet, not just here in Arizona, but around the world can really support our healing and our transformation in a way that supports our ability to move into the fifth world and evolve you know, into the new era of humanity with ease. So I'm so, honored to have shared this time with you today and to, to share a bit about um, David's work and his research on these very important topics and, and, and helping us all find these connections between our world cultures and, and remember aspects of who we once were. And there's so much detail and content in his work and in his books that we just scratched the surface today. And because Sinead and I will be visiting Chaco Canyon as well, we want to do a deeper dive into, into that area and that cultural site. So we will likely be bringing you another talk on Chaco Canyon and what we're learning about the significance of that location in New Mexico. And of course, we'll be sharing our journey with you as we visit these sites and um, continue to make these connections and continue to share about our journey with understanding and evolving, you know, a, a very different world view. So with that, thank you for being with us today and joining us on this podcast. It's been so fun to connect with you already and to share these conversations. If you're liking what you're hearing, please leave a comment, like, and subscribe on YouTube, rate and review if you're on the podcast apps, and let us know what you want to hear more of. These conversations are for you and for us. We want to share in this together in community. So please let us know what you're excited to learn about, what you want to hear about. And uh, we cannot wait to share this journey, this Star Shrine journey with you in June. Please continue to tune in and we'll see you next time.